Welcome back, everybody. Finally, another year is upon us of draft season. So it's really exciting. Uh, Andy and I are back for season number two. And Welcome. we have a third amigo now with us. Kenny Rotuno is now joining the podcast. So it's an exciting time. We've got the, uh, the gang together now. Uh, Kenny, happy to have you. And, uh, you know, looking forward to this, uh, this season and then hopefully future seasons. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I was around when you guys were doing the podcast last year, so I got to see how you went about it and following a lot more of the college football and the draft. So hopefully I'll be able to uh, hang with you guys. Yeah, and, you know, we'll be back on social media as always and hopefully get an Instagram going. And, uh, you know, that's done well with a couple podcasts that I have, another podcast that I'm doing, which has done well. And um, so that, that'll be cool, and, and you'll be able to follow us through that. And, uh, you know, please share this with anyone who's interested in the draft. And obviously, you know, that's how we get our, our marketing because our student loans hold back the marketing budget. So we have just word of mouth right now. But hopefully we'll grow and we'll get better. Uh, we have a lot to dive into. Um, talking about our teams, I'm a Giants fan, as a reminder. Andy is the Patriots fan up in New England, in Massachusetts. And Kenny is a Jets fan. So uh, kind of, uh, Andy, if you want to kick it off, because your team is the, the most successful, and then we'll go down the list with uh, Kenny next with the Jets and then me with the Giants. So uh, start it up, man. Yeah, just first off, I'm pumped to be back season two. Hopefully be bigger, better, all aspects on Twitter, better guests, better quality. It's going to be a good good time. Yep. And uh, we're recording this in between the divisional round, obviously, and the Pats play. Uh, Saturday night, and it's been an interesting year. Some free agent signings haven't worked out. Uh, Gilmore's been off and on, but the team's there again at 13-3, and three, some injuries. Uh, obviously, the big talk is obviously Brady, Belichick, all that. There's rumors he's going to the Giants, but it looks like the Giants are getting his uh, boy genius in Patricia, which I think will be a good hire. Uh, overall, I think it could be a Super Bowl season, but I think if we do reach the game – NFC is tough this year, the Vikings, and especially I think the Falcons can get red hot. But it's looking positive for the Pats. Not a lot of rookie production. Obviously, Dietrich Wise and Adam Butler shine big time in uh, sizable roles, 50% snaps, defensive tackle, defensive end. But other than that, we traded all our picks for Brandon Cooks, Mike Gillisley, all them. So it wasn't really an impactful rookie class, but that's what you kind of get with a veteran team aiming for a Super Bowl run. Yeah, and and you know you touched on it with the, with the picks. It kind of made me just think right now about the Jimmy G trade in season, uh, and what they got back in return. Um, yeah, that's been the talk of the town. Obviously, it, pretty much everyone would agree we did not get enough. And now people arguing that they should trade Tom and stuff, and people losing their minds. The local radio here is nuts. Obviously, we didn't get enough. Belichick traded him to a good coach for cheaper. He didn't want to trade him to Cleveland. At this point, it is what it is, and you got to turn your head to the 2018 draft. You can't just keep looking on it. We need to find a successor now. Yeah, and I think adding a little bit of fuel to the fire and, and kind of against the Pats in a way with that deal, in my view, is you know the, the Niners are, are winning. You know, I, they're doing well. I mean, next year is obviously the, the pick. I, is it this year or next year the pick, the second round pick? 2018 draft, and obviously, as you point out, Jimmy Garoppolo reeled off five straight wins, so that pick went from 33 to like 43. Right, which is you know, it's it's not that big of a jump, but it's enough, I think, um, where you're getting a guy obviously who's a normally like you'd say like a, a day one pick who may slip like a Landon Collins was a thirty third over pick a pick overall, exactly you know, all pro safety. I mean, but again, you know, we talk about this all the time with the draft is 
you know, no one's a guarantee. No one is, you know, in both sides of the coin, good and bad. So, um, you know, we'll see with that. Um, to kick it off the can, talk a little bit about the Jets and, you know, your outlook on you know, this past season and the season upcoming. Definitely. I mean, everyone thought the <clears throat> everyone thought the Jets were going to be a complete mess, probably. A lot of people predicted uh, not having a win for the entire year. I was one of them that was borderline thinking that might be the case. Obviously, exceeded expectations. I mean, McCown played out of his butt. I mean, was better than anyone could have expected him to be. But the biggest thing for me was I know I was frustrated when they took Marcus May as the second safety in two picks in the draft. Andy can uh, attest for that. I was freaking out up at school. I don't want a second safety. Yeah, I, I, I was there and saw it. Weird, you know. I could vouch for that 100%. Yeah, I mean, and I still kind of feel that way. I wish we would have went a different direction possibly, especially because the rest of the draft we really didn't get too much production out of. Right. I mean, obviously, Elijah McGuire is interesting. I think he can be good, but he's just caught up in a mess in that backfield right now. I think as time goes on, you'll see him play a bigger role, and I think he's going to be actually a, a key part of this team with hopefully a rookie quarterback next year. But I don't want to get ahead of myself because knowing the Jets, they'll mess that up. And I really don't want to expect something that's not going to come, which I'm kind of used to by now. So, yeah, I think, uh, you know, with the Jets, you know, they're, I think that they're actually a couple pieces away from, you know, competing a little bit more. You know, I think they five wins this year, right? Yeah. Uh, so I think that they're, you get a couple more pieces. They could be an eight win team, nine win team next year with a couple pieces. Like you said, that quarterback spot, I know we talked about it yesterday off air, but it's one of those things that you know, you're kind of tired as a Jet fan, I think, of seeing, uh, you know, these one year stop gaps and, uh, tired's you know, a nice word for it. Yeah. I think, you know, you're kind of over that and you kind of want to grow and move on with a guy who, you know, you're not, maybe you don't want a, uh, who knows, you know, I mean, maybe you're not going to hit on a Carson Wentz type guy you know, or at Aaron Rodgers, but maybe, you know, uh, who knows? Uh, I'm trying to think of a guy who maybe like a Teddy Bridgewater type, you know, maybe he's not a stud, but he'll get the job done. You know, I'm, I'm not looking for the next hall of fame quarterback. I'm looking for a guy that can potentially be that, sure. but a guy that's going to be able to play day one. Complete a check down. What was that? Complete a check down. Right. That's yeah. I mean, we kind of haven't had that for a while. So McCown was the best thing we've had in a couple of years now. Yeah, and I think with McCown, like he kind of reminds me of like Fitzpatrick two years ago. Like it was, you know, it was great. He had that great year. And then, you know, the next year they're just going to uh, – hopefully the Jets don't do this, but I could totally see them giving him another one-year deal. And then he's obviously not what he was for them in the other year. So uh, that will definitely be interesting uh, to see what they do at that position. And like I said, that they have some talent there. Um, in regards to the Giants, uh, obviously a very, very disappointing, turbulent year, um, uncharacteristic of the team uh, on and off the field, um, kind of honestly went to shambles. Um, but I, I have faith in the organization that they will turn it around. It won't be something that will persist. Um, just from the stuff uh, going towards the off the field. Uh, argument stuff. So I think that'll obviously be nipped in the bud with the new head coach and the new GM. Gettleman doesn't take much crap, uh, but obviously very disappointing season. Um, you know, they were a very, very underachieving team uh, to say the least. Um, you know, I think that as far as the rookies go, you got a lot of production out of Evan Ingram. He was, a, I would say, a top tier rookie, um, you know, finally gave them a, a weapon at tight end. 
wasn't terrible in the blocking game. Uh, definitely, I would say, a little bit better than advertised. Um, he's obviously not going to be, you know, a Red Ellison who they have on the roster type blocker, but he'll get the job done. And obviously, he's very athletic and arguably one of the fastest guys on the team. Uh, Dalvin Tomlinson, very, very, very underrated, to say the least, at, at defensive tackle position, was tops in the league amongst uh, defensive rookies and uh, amongst defensive players, actually, uh, at the defensive tackle spot. So he was a bright spot. Um, you know, and then you got a couple other picks here and there that they did, you know, they produced, but they weren't called upon as much. Uh, Wayne Gallman, towards the end of the year, got some some carries and, and showed some flashes of what he did at Clemson. So, uh, you know, a little bit, a couple more years of development uh, with, with a couple guys. I think they'll be okay. Uh, obviously, have to shore up that offensive line, and uh, I think that they will be back to normal. Uh, and obviously, we'll talk a lot about the quarterback position when it comes to the Giants this upcoming draft, as that's um, likely talked about with them in, in connection to, to their team in that position. So, um, you know, that's just a little bit about our teams and kind of the way that we see, you know, the state of the franchise, I guess you'd say, state of the podcast right now. Um, moving on. And, yeah, just touching on that, the thing that's very fascinating about this season, too, you touched on the quarterback position. I think there's a high likelihood the Pats, Jets, and Giants all pick a quarterback within the first three rounds, so that's going to sure. be something awesome to talk about. Sure, and I think, you know, with the Pats, you know, you can't really live with Brian Hoyer much longer as, as the backup. God forbid, you know, Tom Brady does go down. Um, in my opinion, obviously, besides that one year, he was out with the ACL, I think it was, against the Chiefs he got hurt, was it? Yeah. A couple years back. Um, you know, he's a I would say he's an Iron Man in his own right. Um, you know, you're pretty, pretty fortunate with him. And then, you know, like you said, with the Jets, I think they'll take a quarterback within the first two rounds. I think they have to. Uh, or if not, maybe sign somebody. You know, Kirk Cousins is a free agent. Possibly Tyrod Taylor is available. Just draft someone. Case Keenum. All the quarterbacks on the Vikings. Pat Shermer's available. Who oh, knows? I'm maybe gonna... Mike Zimmer's eye. Who knows what's going on? Yeah, uh, just, just draft someone. Let, let's stick with that. You know. You know, Hackenberg was a good pick. So uh, moving on, moving on to uh, letting assets on fire is always fun. So we had the the uh, number five for Nick Saban this past uh, this past week. Uh, He won the national championship against Georgia. So it's a tough, tough year to be a uh, sports fan in Georgia. If you're a UGA fan and a Falcons fan, Um, they love to blow leads. They blow leads. And I will say, I think it's even worse. For Georgia, because that college football down south is basically like Christianity. It is a religion to them. I mean, is it not? I mean, it, and at home and, they and lost. Home. Right, yep, they exactly. lost in Mercedes Benz. So uh, you had that game. Uh, curious to hear your guys' thoughts on it, and um, you know, take it away, Andy. Yeah, obviously, from an entertainment standpoint, it uh, definitely heated up once the freshman quarterback from Hawaii went into a. For Bama, he looks incredible, but obviously he's not draft eligible for three years. The game really picked up there. And then from a prospect standpoint, Bama's loaded. Darren Payne wrecked the game from defensive tackle. He looks awesome. Ronnie Harrison looks like a player. Fitzpatrick, you got both Scarborough on offense. But the guy I really like, and he he's projected like mid-round right now, is uh, ironically their one player who was a walk-on, uh, Levi Wallace, the corner. Yeah. I just think he led the SEC, I think, in pass breakups. He's just – he always gets his hand on the ball. He's physical. You can tell he plays with that chip on his shoulder. Yeah. I know he's not the most flashy Bama prospect to talk about, but I'm excited for him and see if he can do anything at the combine. I like his story. 
I agree. I, I like uh, Levi a lot. I was watching him during the game pretty close just because uh, I knew that stat as well. He was he was thrown at quite a bit, obviously, yeah. when you have, uh, you know, Minka and that secondary. But uh, I like Deron Payne as well. And unfortunately, Damian Harris isn't coming out. But, Kenny, we talked about that. Quite a bit of running backs yeah. will be uh, in this draft. So maybe he saw a little bit of a threat to his draft stock in, in that sense. I actually kind of think it was a good move by him. I mean, obviously, running backs come yeah. out every year. But trying to come out with – I mean – you look at Georgia alone with two running backs who I think, I mean, they might not be the top two running backs and I think they're ahead of him in my eyes. Yeah. So I think it's actually a smart move and hopefully next year he'll be able to really improve his draft stock. I mean, I know he's obviously a great prospect now, but I think next year, hopefully a couple less running backs and he'll be able to jump up a couple of rounds. Yeah. The curious case of Nick Chubb, you know, he kind of uh, was a top five pick, you know, talked about last year, and then he obviously got the injury, uh, and then he kind of never really was the same. And Sony Michelle has kind of taken over there. Um, you know, even not even so much to them splitting the carries. I think he's just kind of Sony Michelle is the. Uh, I think he, he he'll be the next big thing coming out of Georgia. In my eyes, I kind of they kind of remind me of those two guys are like a Mark Ingram, Alvin Kamara duo. Where now Mark Ingram's kind of overshadowed in in New Orleans, but he's still producing. Um, but I. Nick Chubb is an interesting uh, take. Kenny, what else do you have to say about the game? Uh, I mean, I thought the game was one of the more entertaining games. Obviously, the last two years have been ridiculous. Anything with that Alabama has been in recently, I mean, I'm not an Alabama fan. I actually root against them a lot of the times, but they they produce, and if they lose, they make it a great game, obviously, like against Clemson. But I was actually just thinking about uh, Harris, and you got to remember now, teams aren't going to sack the box as much because it's not going to be Jalen Hurts. They yeah. actually have a guy that can throw it, so maybe he'll open up some more holes, as, even though as hard as it is that for that to believe. But yeah. I think he'll. it's going to be so much easier for him with a guy who can actually throw the ball at quarterback. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I, talking about Georgia, the state of Georgia, and Jalen Hurts, you know, I think uh, a good system for him to get into would be maybe Georgia Tech. Um, yeah, definitely. You That's know, a good – yeah, I like that. He's basically, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, he's basically a halfback. Um, and just, I mean, he still could throw it. I mean, there's no doubt about it. He could still throw the football better than a lot of quarterbacks have been at Georgia Tech. You know, I mean, he comes from a good program. He's not a QB prospect, so I think the best thing for him to do is find a spot that improves his stock as hopefully a running back in his eyes. Right, and I think that's exactly what he projects at the next level, uh, if at all, if he makes it to the next level. Um, typical Bama quarterback in my eyes. Um, but, you know, I guess we'll see what, what happens, and obviously – Tua has been, uh, you know, obviously a big bright spot, and both those guys were a class act. Uh, one guy I want to talk about in the national championship game who was all over the field and all over the field this whole year, uh, linebacker from Georgia, Roquan Smith. Uh, he's by far, I think he was my favorite prospect because um, he hasn't, he's talked about, but he's not talked about like Minka Fitzpatrick was or, you know, Deron Payne gets a lot of, uh, you know, publicity, of course, and I like Deron Payne, but. Uh, Roquan Smith is, I mean, he's, you're starting middle linebacker and he's a stud special teams guy for you, you know, and you get that in college obviously, but I mean, he's a special athlete. He's, he's all over the place. He can step in day one. His, he covered the entire field on the one play. I remember specifically there was an out, I think it was an out pattern that was thrown and he caught, he was in the middle of the field. Yeah. The guy had like three yards to get after he caught it and he completely stonewalled him right before the first down marker yeah. and made them punt. And I, I was just Wowed yeah, play. you know, and, and he reminds me, Georgia puts out some good linebackers, you know, Alec Ogletree, Thomas Davis, 
Um, you know, they've had their fair share of, uh, of quality linebackers, and I think he, he'll be the next one in line. Uh, and Kirby Smart's going to be missing him. Uh, did he declare it? Is he 100% declared? I'm not completely sure, but I assume yeah. he's coming out. Yes. I'm sure he'll come out with just the way his stock is. So uh, any other takeaways from the draft? Uh, I'm sorry, from the uh, national title game with the draft? Yeah, to Rokon Smith, I agree. Barring an injury to him or another Marshawn Lattimore-type cornerback entering the league, he should be the rookie of the year. He'll start 90% of the snaps. He'll be a borderline pro bowler, absolute beast, I agree. But better Reuben Foster, more stout, the point of attack. And then to touch on the running backs, it is interesting. Michelle's made a ton of money recently. I've seen him in the late first in mocks. And conversely, Nick Chubb obviously has fallen to the late second, third, because he just doesn't look the same as he used to pre-injury. But I would just say, obviously, second year after ACL. I just think this guy's a completely safe prospect. He reminds me a little of Corey Dillon, uh, Frank Gore. I'm a big fan of him for the Pats and a team that just like wants a power running back who can take that 250, 300 carries. I think you'll get a value late. I know he doesn't look the same now, but you just got to give him that time. Some And one guy that I actually was interested in, I mentioned it to Andy before the game. I mean, obviously, we all know about Calvin Ridley, but – Sure, yeah. I mean, his brother really stepped up, Riley, oh, yeah. in that game. And I was curious if you guys thought, I mean, his year wasn't exactly great, but he's an interesting prospect, not this year, but possibly next year. For me, obviously, just being Calvin Ridley's brother should help him a little bit to be drafted. And I think he has the tools as well. Yeah, I mean, bloodlines obviously, you know, help out. And, you know, when you perform like the way he did in that kind of game, you know, that only not only fuses the conversation about the guy, but it also helps his confidence for the future, for the next year, maybe he becomes obviously the number one target for Fromm. Um, you know, that, that's definitely an interesting uh, point. I think Riley Ridley is a very good receiver uh, for them. And, uh, you know, hopefully next year he'll, he'll continue to emerge as a, as a threat. So Andy, what do you think? Yeah, definitely. Obviously he's a sophomore, so not draft eligible. He'll come back next year. If he can start, obviously get that receiver one role. Uh, Malcolm Mitchell came out of Georgia with limited production, but those Georgia receivers definitely, AJ Green could go down the list. They definitely make an impact to the next level. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, talking about the, the quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts and Tua, you know, obviously stepped in the second half, played really well. And Fromm had an amazing first half. And obviously people were talking about that. That draft class now is going to be a, a special one, especially um, the kid from Clemson is in that draft class, I believe, as well. You know, if, he, if they all come out at the same time. Uh, so that'll be very interesting. Uh, but, you know, it wouldn't be a draft episode number one if we didn't talk about uh, the quarterbacks. And, you know, one guy I think that we all kind of wanted to talk about was Sam Darnold. Um, you know, was it the right choice for him to come out? Um, you know, do you guys think that, you know, is he the next USC quarterback bust or, or is he going to be the next, uh, you know, franchise quarterback for a, a franchise? Uh, I mean, I'll step in here. The biggest thing for me with him, is it all depends on the team he gets drafted by and the system he has to play. And I could see him I agree with if that. he gets drafted to a team with weapons and a just a solid team that he doesn't have to be Superman. I think he can be a really, really good quarterback in the NFL. However, if he goes to a team, obviously, I mean, the Browns have some weapons, but they just are where QBs go to die, it seems like. And if he gets put in a situation like that, he does force a lot of passes, which worries me. He might probably will throw a good amount of interceptions his rookie year, force some passes, and I think depending on the situation is going to be 
how he performs, obviously. Yeah, I would agree with that because I think Sam Darnold, obviously, he's still a little young. Obviously, like we know, we talked about you know, the right time for him to come out, not only side of production, but just age and, and experience in college. Um, you know, I think a team that may be beneficial for him would be a team that, you know, of course you could say sit here and say like the Vikings, but the Vikings aren't going to get a chance to draft him, right? Like a yeah. good defense, good offensive line. You know, but a team that intrigues me, I think for him, believe it or not, uh, and it just kind of popped in my head, Kenny, while you're talking, because I agree with a lot of your points, is the uh, the Miami Dolphins, um, only because I think that they're going to be in a spot where they obviously need a quarterback. Jay Cutler is going to be hopefully in the booth for all our sakes. Uh, you know, know. I, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of him. Tannehill, you don't really know what you're going to get him coming back from injury. And, you know, there's been rumors in the past that they don't like him as much, you know, as that franchise guy. Um, they have a fairly de- decent offensive line. Kenyon Drake emerged for the run game to help him out. And their defense wasn't terrible either. So, you know, I think that they're one of those, like, sleeper teams. And yeah, I think they're a sleeper yeah. destination for him, especially with Adam Gase. You know who has a good does a good job with uh, creating an offense and developing quarterbacks. Uh, I think that'd be an interesting fit for him, but I think it was the right choice for him. I think especially when Rosen declared, he declared like ten minutes later. Uh, it just seemed like one of those things that it's going to be. They're going to be those two guys. It's going to be like a Jeter, Nomar Garcia, Para, or you know LeBron James, and I don't know who's another guy that they or Carmelo Anthony and Dwayne Wade like they're just like they're draft class rivals you know Ben Eli and and Philip you know so it'll be talked about with those guys a lot uh, especially attached to hip both from LA right uh, or LA schools right. at least and yeah just so much connecting them and everyone was comparing them throughout the years or this year especially and then after last year obviously going up against Penn State all of a sudden right. Sam Donald had that that huge game and which really put them on the map. And I think it's going to be interesting to see which one prevails in that matchup. Yeah, I agree. Andy, what are your thoughts? Yeah, obviously, in my opinion, you just, you can't go back to school. If you're projected to be a top five pick, you you, you risk injury, you risk Matt Barkley syndrome, where you go back, you get exposed. It's happened to numerous quarterbacks, Taj Boyd, Brad Kaya this year, you get hyped as a top pick and then more film on you. You look worse. So, I'm a fan of Sam Donald, but obviously, if you're a top five pick, you got to enter while well, the iron is hot. One thing that is concerning, obviously, is I read that he'll be the second youngest quarterback in the history of the NFL since the merger to start. I think he's barely, he'll be barely 21 when he plays. So, like I said, I agree with Ken on most of his points that, and you, Matt, that he needs a team that has good surroundings because he's so young. He's prone to turnovers, but you see that flash. You see, his offensive line was a sieve, and he can maneuver the pocket. He throws his big-time throw percentage, I think, is maybe the best in the class. Like He has those three wild plays a game that you can see why he's ranked so highly. But he needs time to sit, I think, for maybe a season. But I don't think he's going to get it. I agree. I don't think he'll get it. And I know, Matt, as a Giants fan, you don't want them to take a quarterback. But right. could that be almost a best-of-both-worlds perfect situation for Sam Darnold? Not necessarily the Giants, yeah. but for Darnold, I think, fits a – Learn under Eli, hopefully doesn't have to play year one. Yeah, and, and I think that's kind of where I was getting at even like with the Dolphins just because like uh, as a Giant fan, I don't think that you need a quarterback, but I, obviously I see the attachment there with, with those, you know, the franchise and the player. Um, you know, looking at a team like the Dolphins again, you know, they may be quicker to move on from Ryan Tannehill more so than the Giants with Eli, but I, I agree with, with Darnold. Um, 
you know, I think there's no doubt about it. He needs to sit a little bit. Um, you know, whether that's eight games or, or 16 or whatever it is. Um, or the first half like Watson. Yeah. Right. Yeah, <laughs> of course. So, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it'll be an interesting thing what happens with him. And, uh, yeah, I do think the giants would be a good spot for him. Um, for him though. Uh, I don't know if necessarily it would be for the giants. Um, Again, you know, I'm not too big on anyone coming to the Giants for a quarterback, but we'll get into that with, uh, you know, as we go on, moving on and talking about, uh, you know, the draft. And, uh, Andy, one thing I wanted to touch on real quick, and we'll move on to the next topic, is, um, you know, you said, you know, like guys, when they stay in school, you know, we, we tend to have more film on them and overanalyze. And that's one thing that, you know, we are all guilty of, all analytics and uh, people who review the draft and, and study the draft is, you know, more things we look at, the more time we have, we overanalyze. So anal- uh, paralysis by overanalysis, right? So they say that all the time and we'll be guilty of that. We've been guilty of that. Um, and we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit later on also with uh, our rookies from this past year uh, who we hit on, who we missed on and, and stuff like that. So, um, you know, moving on, um, I think, uh, you know, if you guys want to talk about a little bit about like what we think about this this class as a whole, I think that would be important to kind of convey to the audience, uh, and then we'll we'll move on. So, Andy, we'll start with you. Are we talking about a, a year in review for the rookies this year, or the upcoming draft class? Well, just the upcoming class, and then we'll we'll touch on the yeah. Uh, so, yeah. just a brief overview. I think obviously the quarterback class dating back six months ago was mega hyped to be one of the best ever, and while it's tough to love that expectation, I am. I'm very bullish on this quarterback class. I know a lot of analysts aren't, but I love Josh Rosen as a day one starter. He can can be be a franchise quarterback. I know people wonder about his whole mental makeup, but I think that's nonsense. So I like quarterback. I like Sam Donald. I think Baker Mayfield and obviously uh, Lamar Jackson are very intriguing guys that could become all pros or could not fizzle out. They're just high risk. And then Josh Allen will be we'll have plenty of shows to dissect him. One of the more interesting prospects ever and then regarding other positions i think cornerback is definitely deep you have josh jackson uh alexander um denzel ward just a lot of guys are gonna be number one corners i think running back obviously is the deepest it's ever been even deeper than last year might not have the top level talent of a mccaffrey fournette cook but you could go to rb15 you have akram wiley from iowa and it's just loaded uh edge rushers average and I think, obviously, the story of the draft will be the quarterback position. That will be talked about the most. They'll have the most intrigue. But it's a well-rounded class. I wouldn't say it's the most talented or a bad talent like the 2013 class, but it'll get the job done. Yeah, I think this this class is a very average class. Yeah. Um, of course, I mean, it's the NFL draft. You're going to get guys that you're going to hit on, miss on, sleepers, uh, overachievers, underachievers. Uh, like anything, but like like you said, Andy, to a lot of your points, I think it's a very deep draft in the sense of average, where you're going to get guys who are going to come in and be able to play for clubs and and to uh, produce some. Uh, I think again, you won't get that top end talent. I I don't really see a a position where you're like, wow, and it almost you know you know top ten guys could all be you know within the top two rounds. You know, we've seen that in the past couple of years with receivers or you know i actually believe it or not i tend to like the offensive line class in this uh draft what a surprise coming from me but that's just one thing i study a lot and watch but uh i think it's a lot has a lot of talent i think last year's class obviously had a lot of talent as well um 
And I think it's a little bit one of the, one of those positions that you're able to kind of evolve a little bit in, and it's a little bit easier of a transition from uh, the college game to the pro game. And I think that's another thing that uh, I wanted to talk about too, is just that, you know, we, we see it all the time with college and to the pro, the transition is because the college game, the college game is not going to change for the pro game and the pro game is not going to change for the college game. Um, so I have one more quick point about that, but I'll let Kenny uh, talk about, you know, his thoughts on the class. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like you guys said, deep is probably the best word to describe this class. Running back in particular for me is you can go, like Andy said, all the way down to RB15. I mean, you have, he said Wadley, but you also have Jackson from Northwestern who has been tearing it up now for two years. And I don't think it's the, really gets what he deserves. I think people, the recognition he deserves, but obviously the QB class, I think it's going to be, it's not, a, QB actually is the one position I think that isn't as deep as we thought it would be. A lot mm-hmm. of guys that we thought would declare aren't declaring. Sure. And I think that hurts a lot of the teams looking for a backup similar to like the Patriots, maybe the Giants or uh, the Dolphins. Like you said, if they're not looking for a guy day one, there's a lot of teams look that will jump at the opportunity to draft the QB that can start day one yeah, for them this year. It also hurts the depth in that position exactly. and, and the quality of that class. Yeah, exactly. But the, the one position I'm actually kind of disappointed by, I, I like to follow them a lot, but I've been disappointed going into the draft is a uh, wide receiver this year. Yeah. I really think it's, it's just a, it's a lacking class. You have some guys that are, can be great. I mean, obviously I think Ridley, is going to be a stud. But other than that, I don't see a can't miss prospect at receiver. You have Washington from Oklahoma state who people love. I'm personally not super high on him. And then like Corlin Sutton from SMU, who I think is, you're going to see, I just don't think he's fast enough. He's a big body. He's Laquan Treadwell 2.0 in my opinion. That's what I'd say about him. Yeah. I'm just disappointed in the wide receiver class. And especially with what we thought was so many great quarterbacks in college football this year the wide receiver class seems to be lacking for me. Yeah, and uh, one thing, like I said, I wanted to touch on real quick, and, uh, you know, we'll we'll move on, obviously, is, um, you know, I, we talk a lot about uh, the quarterback position, like you said, and, and Josh Allen, Andy, you brought him up. Uh, a lot of people will talk about his lack of production this year, um, and they're kind of surprised because they use the excuse that or, or the reason of the level of competition, you know, in that division is very weak out in the, the Mountain West in Wyoming. And, uh, you know, I think that's a really bad argument, uh, as we've seen over the years, because we talked about that at nauseum two years ago with Carson Wentz, uh, who played one double-A ball, which is supposedly technically worse, right? So, uh, and he's got the job done. Obviously, he performed very well, but still, you know, I think level of competition has really nothing to do with it when you're talking about a Division One guy. You know, because I think Division One's Division One. You know, Wyoming... Boise State, you know, Utah or Utah's in the Pac-12, but all those schools out West, you know, they're, yeah, they're maybe not the best. They're not the SEC, especially defensively, but they're still high caliber athletes. And listen, the guys, he has the potential and it's interesting. But uh, one thing I wanted to touch on, the Chicago Bears hired Matt Nagy uh, as their head coach, and he's bringing over a lot of college coaches. He's bringing over Mark Helfrich, who is the Oregon head coach, to be his offensive coordinator, and Harry Heastan, one of the best offensive line coaches in the in college football from Notre Dame. Uh, and I find that interesting, and one of the things, and I tweeted this, but 
talking about the game evolving and changing for the college game, I think it's kind of smart what Matt Nagy is doing because he realizes who he has at quarterback. He has a young college, uh, you know, one-year guy at, in Mitch Trubis Mitchell Trubisky who did very well in UNC and, uh, you know, produced in that offense, which is a college-based offense. And I think what they're doing is they're trying to make the merge a little easier for him to make him more comfortable with college-like uh, schemes and, and you know, designs, play designs. So I think that's really interesting and kind of wanted to hear you guys' take on that. And I, I personally think that's what the goal is, but uh, I'm interested to see what you have to say. So, Andy, what do you think? I think to that point they need an injection of – I don't want to say explosion, but like something like something that can get that team energized. Like offensively, they would just John Fox is an awful coach. They have no identity. They try to pound Jordan Howard and have no weapons. I think with Healthfrich at least, they'll run an up tempo pace. Trubisky is a good athlete, especially throwing on the run. So I think that's a good fit. Yeah, for for me, it's just I think the fit is good, but I'm worried because it seems like whenever a lot of these college coaches come over to the NFL, try and bring their scheme. And it's 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 almost just like a gimmick. Chip so, Kelly. Exactly. So it works for a year, maybe two years, and then teams start to know how to defend it. And it's they have the talent now on the defensive end to stop that type of offense, whereas a lot of college teams do not. And it ends up not working. They end up going back to college to coach, and it works for a year or two. And unless you have just – excellent talent offensively which the bears i don't think do it, i just don't see it panning out maybe it helps trubisky this year but from after that i don't i don't really think it's that smart of a move yeah yeah so um you know moving on um kind of wanted to talk about our the guys that we had in in this past uh draft um who we we've hit on we've missed on um kind of our thoughts on that and um just, you know, curious to hear hear you guys' thoughts. So, uh, Ken, why don't you go? And uh, Unless you don't want to because you're no, a new I'll, guy. No, I'll, I'll start because obviously I have less defined takes <laughs> because you guys were on it last year. Uh, for me, I'll start with one of the guys that I think I missed on, and it was Deshaun Watson. I didn't think he was going to be a mess, but I, I thought he was more of just a winner and – didn't have the tools that he flashed in his couple games in the NFL. And I think he really exceeded expectations. Obviously I think he exceeded everybody's expectations, but I didn't see that coming from him. I didn't even see half of that coming from him. I thought he would be an okay quarterback that just kind of found a way to win, but wasn't especially talented. I mean, it helps having, having Hopkins and Fuller when he can fly down the field, which kind of fit when he was evading pressure, but, Watson was definitely one of the guys that was exceeded expectations that I probably missed on, but definitely one of another guy that I thought exceeded expectations. I mean, we all thought he was going to be great, but he even further exceeded expectations was Marshawn Lattimore uh, with the Saints. I mean, we knew he was going to he was a top prospect. Everybody knew he was a top prospect, best cornerback in the draft, and yet he steps in day one, and now he's in the argument of best cornerback in the NFL. Yeah, And to me, stepping day one from college to the pro level and being able to perform like he can, I think no matter what, he exceeded expectations as high as you could have been on him. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. Uh, there's no doubt about it. 
um, it's interesting too, like reviewing this because uh, it just goes to show how sometimes the draft and, and our analysis is uh, is just like everyone else's. You know, I, I think no one's a professional at this, although they call themselves professionals. Because at the end of the day, it comes down to guys who who pr- produce and you know talk about uh, Kareem Hunt. I know Kenny, you had a, tons of success with him in fantasy, but uh, and, and a lot of people did, I'm sure as well. But uh, you know, here's a guy who comes from uh, you know Toledo. Yep. Right. So the third round pick, um, and you know he did really well at the Senior Bowl, and that's where I found out about him. To be honest with you, um, but that'll be interesting too. Watching the Senior Bowl, Shrine Game, a couple other of these uh, things moving forward, and obviously the Combine. So yeah, uh, you have the, the two QB prospects and Allen and Mayfield who are actually going to be at the Senior Bowl, which yeah. adds even more intrigue. You would think sure. prospects that are projected to go that high wouldn't risk playing in this game but right i think they're i mean it's going to be fun to watch and they have a lot to prove well and that's it it's an opportunity for those guys to go out and and to you know be with the other seniors and and sometimes it's like they want to do it for a last hurrah and they want to get in front of Kyle, uh, the pro guys a little earlier than you know than most so it'll definitely be interesting andy uh what are your takes on you know hits and misses from this past year i definitely agree with ken although i was a fan of watson had him 19th overall obviously I wasn't sold on him completely. I thought his game had a lot of rough edges, especially accuracy-wise. So he came in, and he obviously took the show over with 19 touchdowns in seven games. But uh, my biggest miss, I would say, obviously, is uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. I wrote wrote him off mostly as, like, your typical mid-round, third-round type receiver prospect who – Possessions receiver, I thought. Possession receiver. Can be a number two, number three. Won't really take over a game. The Steelers took him in the high second, and as a Pats fan, my first reaction is to laugh. You guys have Brian and Antonio Brown. What are you doing? It just shows, obviously, these guys are experts. They get paid the big bucks in Pittsburgh. They kill the receiver draft. And he just looks to me, he's he's way faster than I thought. Explosive for his size. I think he can be a number one receiver. And honestly, I think Antonio Brown and Juju Smith can be one of the best tandems in a long time next year and years to come. I think he's going to be a problem, especially come playoff time. Yeah, I agree. Um, any guys that you think you hit on or? Yeah, one guy I definitely say I I was higher than probably nearly anybody was uh, Desmond King. I had him as a top 15 pick on my board, and he fell all the way to the fifth round, mostly because of height. And they thought he played in a zone scheme at Iowa, but he had the natural man instincts. And while he wasn't, the best corner in the draft, obviously. He stepped in for the Chargers after Verrett got hurt. He looks like, at most, an elite – at the, at least an elite slot corner. I think he can be more. Just a great tackler, great instincts, and the Chargers got a steal in the fifth round. Yeah, and I think the fit is good for him there with uh, Gus Bradley as the D coordinator, um, you know, coming over from Seattle for those Definitely. years and very similar to that uh, aspect. So, yeah, it does. King is one of those guys I know you were always high on. And, uh, yeah, he, he's played very well for the Chargers. Uh, for me, a uh, hit and a miss. Uh, as far as a hit goes, I was very high on uh, – both my guys are offensive linemen that I'm going to talk about. And then I'll talk a little bit about Evan Ingram, who obviously is a Giants fan. Um, you know, I saw a lot of. But um, a hit for me, I, I always love Pat Iflon, uh from – Ohio State. Um, he came in into the Vikings uh, right away, seamlessly started for them. Uh, can play guard and play play center. Obviously, is what he's doing for them now. Um, took over for the veteran John Sullivan. 
Um, and and he's obviously paved the way for them to to be where they are now in the playoffs and then hopefully make a, another run in the NFC. Uh, did a great job with Dalvin Cook while he was there for the short time he was, and now Latavius Murray and McKinnon, uh, and obviously doing a great job with um, Case Keenum, um, not knowing really who your quarterback was at the time. Um, I think he's done a really, really good job. He's been one of the top rookies uh, and very underrated, obviously, as an offensive lineman and as a center. Um, he was a really always a sure thing, I, I thought, but a lot of people didn't like him because he was undersized. And again, offensive linemen are usually overlooked unless they're, uh, you know, a top five talent at, at offensive tackle position. Uh, so he'll be my hit. And then the guy I missed on, uh, Cam Robinson from Alabama, who went to Jacksonville. Uh, I never really was a big fan of Cam Robinson. He kind of so saw him go in waves up and down. I thought he was a little too inconsistent, but he's done a really good job protecting Blake Bortles' blind side in Jacksonville. And again, another playoff caliber team uh, who's getting tons of contributions from him and he's doing really well in the run game and a lot more physical than I thought he would be. Uh, so he's doing well. And then, uh, like I said, touch on Evan Ingram real quick. Everyone, a lot of people I'm sure who listen to this saw my reaction to that pick. I wasn't very happy like I was with Eli Apple, but I guess I'm – you know, one for two, batting 500 in those reactions. Uh, Evan Ingram yeah, obviously did a really good job, like we talked about, and uh, I think he'll be a bright spot for the future. So, if you if you actually don't mind, I have a guy that I wanted to yeah, talk about ahead. that I know is uh, all three of us. I know we're high on, but I know Andy and I especially were high on him. Uh, was McCaffrey obviously didn't have the yards per carry that everyone would have hoped, but I mean he's so diverse where he's opened up that offense is even with cam who seems like the offense was open enough as was as it was but i mean he's essentially a receiver yeah that'll go play running back if if any if cam could make a short throw like any other quarterback he would have had i think a dominant year but cam loves to overthrow guys that seem to be running short and yeah let's show off his arm strength yeah so i definitely think that hurt mccaffrey's production but i think that personally i'm still super high and i think he's such a great prospect and i think he just brings so much to the table and i think i'd like to hear your guys opinions on him i know we were high on him but after this year what you're thinking Andy, go ahead yeah just i was i was a mega fan of him obviously had him i think fourth overall on my board i just i think he's a complete weapon he he didn't disappoint in Carolina, obviously. It's more so to the fact you'll agree that if he was on another team like the Saints, the Patriots, the Packers, you go down the list, he would have exploded in my opinion. He was with the quarterback, as you say, who's just not a short, accurate passer, and he still had 80 receptions, which is absurd. You, you could have pushed that number up to 100 with Drew Brees or someone like that. And I just think – I know people are talking, well, they got Kamara in the third round, so McCaffrey is going to be a waste at the ninth. But I just think he's going to keep developing a receiver. You saw that option in route he did in the playoff game against the Saints, burnt his linebacker, and then took it 60 yards. I love the ceiling for this kid. I think he's like Wes Welker that can play running back. I'm in love. Yeah, I think I, I agree. I mean, I, I liked him uh, more and more as the process went on. Uh, I think, you know, Ken, what you touched on, the way that he was utilized it is kind of um, not on him. I think – Obviously, he, he didn't meet the standards of, of the hype, but that, I think that's because look at what happened. I mean, they fired their offensive coordinator, you know, Mike Shula. So I think, obviously, you know, that has a play a role in it. Maybe they weren't really happy with how he was utilized. I think he was utilized well, but not well enough, uh, if that makes sense. Um, you know, 
like you said, Kenny is a slot receiver. He ran the ball some. Um, but, yeah, I think he could be utilized, even take the next step next year and, and be at another level where we all thought he would be coming out of Stanford. So, um, And it just yeah. – the one play that, to me, just shows how valuable he is was the play where they someone was calling out that it's that wheel route, it's that wheel route, and Cam looks at him and is like, oh, you, you would have thought or something like that. And he goes, watch this, and he runs that – that little in route against the linebacker cam throws it to him for a touchdown. And it just like the defense is so worried about him and he's part of every play where they're making sure they have him covered because he's so explosive. Yeah. Even the play against the saints when it was like a little slant and 56 yards, you know, to the house. So um, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stats you can't measure with him or plays. You can't measure in stats. Like you say in the, in the Pats game, the Panthers beat us. over in the year, I think seven Patriots went to the side of McCaffrey. Seven. The whole defense flooded that way. And then Fozzie Whitaker had a walking touchdown any of us could have scored. So he definitely, as opposed to a Fournette who's just more of a pounder, McCaffrey definitely takes a focus of a defensive game plan. Sure. And then uh, real quick to, to finish up the episode, uh, we have some head coaching openings. Uh, I know you guys weren't really prepared for this segment, but I figured I'd throw it in and throw a little wild card at you guys. Uh, there are some openings still. So I'm curious to get your predictions on where we're at, uh, who's going to go where, and uh, and we'll look forward to the divisional round this week and and see you guys next week. But curious to get this uh, this last segment in. Yeah, so uh, that's a good segment. As Ian Rappaport just tweeted a few minutes ago that Panthers defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes has no plan to interview with the Colts. They are focusing on offensive candidates. I think that's a clear – tip that at this point it's really a lot of Patriots reporters are saying it's Indianapolis a bust for McDaniels and I think he is going to bite that job just the the chance to coach Andrew Luck you got to gamble he's healthy and I know the owner's crazy Ursay, but he stays out of football matters McDaniels will have a good relationship with Ballard I think that that duo of him and Luck will be a good one and then I do think Patricia is bound for New York uh you know those crazy rumors about Belichick they'll have to settle for the young whiz rocket scientist I think He'll definitely bring his uh, giving up a few points to the Giants. They won't blitz as much. They'll just it'll be a very sound defense. If the, if he goes there, I think Giants fans will be pleased. Yeah, okay. I, mean, I mean I agree. I had the same guys going to the same places as Andy, and it just to me it isn't much of a surprise when teams play do well and have success like the Patriots have had. Naturally, the OC and the defensive coordinator get taken as a head coach somewhere. And sure. it may be frustrating as a Patriots fan. I know Andy and a couple of his buddies that I've been in touch with are like, why do people keep going after our guys? But when you have that kind of success, it's it's kind of just the natural progression to yeah. then give them a chance at the head coach coaching position somewhere in the NFL. And I th- actually, I think they're both going to do really well with uh with their respective spots, assuming they go where they where we say they're going. So okay, so we have the Cardinals. So who do you think gets the Cardinals job? Honestly, I don't even know the Cardinals job that much. I know that the Pat's linebackers coach is interviewed there. Who has Pat Shermer interviewed there? He has. Yeah, he has. I think I've read. I've read that. I think that makes sense for him. Honestly, he can pick the next quarterback. That that Arizona team is just. They're going to enter a big rebuild phase. Carson Palmer's retired. Larry Fitz will probably follow suit. The defense is older. The oldest team in the NFL. So whatever coach is coming in there needs to be there for the long haul. And also a quarterback whisper. 
Yeah, I mean, we mentioned the whole whole Bears thing where they're bringing in this, hopefully, a bunch of energy and rejuvenating the team. And with what seems to be a rebuild, hopefully going younger, kind of tough to go older there, but hopefully going younger, maybe do the same thing, bring an injection of energy, maybe a coach that no one isn't really, no one's expecting, but can kind of, he fits with the players that they're hoping to get and the way they're kind kind of moving. Yeah, I think for me, the Cardinals uh, wouldn't be surprised. Pat Shermer, obviously, like you said, Andy, uh, a dark horse candidate that I see personally he hasn't really been rumored there, but he's been rumored on his way out of Seattle. His defensive coordinator, Chris Richard, uh, he's been, you know, one of those guys that, you know, there was rumors about Todd Bowles maybe coming back there, Mike Vrabel, you know, defensive defensive guys. I think you kind of get that with Chris Richard. He's a younger guy, uh, very well thought of as a head coaching candidate. Uh, and it seems to be on his way out of Seattle, just like Daryl Bevel was. So I think that that'd be my guy in uh, Arizona and in uh, in Indianapolis. I uh, would not be surprised if uh, McDaniel's takes over there. Uh, that's just my gut instinct. Kenny, what about you in Indianapolis? Yeah, that's what I was saying. I agreed with agreed with Andy having the two Patriots coordinators go into the Colts and the Giants. I think it's just a natural fit, and it's bound, it's time that they got their shot. Yeah, in my opinion, I think the, the only thing that would scare me as a Giants fan is if uh, Shermer goes to the Cardinals, Patricia goes to the Lions, and then McDaniels goes to the Colts. Because then at that point, you're really left with Steve Wilkes, who isn't even one of your big three now, uh, as it's wired down to those three. But you know, apparently, you know, Gettleman's uh, relationship with him is very good, and he has some uh, some interest in bringing on uh, John DeFilippo, the uh, Eagles quarterback coach, as his OC. So. That would be interesting. But my guy is, is Patricia. I've said it from the uh, outset that I think he would be the next guy I'd want just because of how smart he is and all the things you're hearing. He could be a GM, uh, and obviously he's learned from from the best. So uh, that's that's my take on it. And uh, with that, I think that's uh, episode number one. Any final thoughts, anyone? Yeah, just we'll touch on it again, obviously, going all through the year. I'm excited about this draft even more so than last year all our teams might pick a quarterback the QB class has a lot of interesting personalities talents and obviously we started out earlier this year so maybe next episode it will be we'll be previewing the title games on the Super Bowl so that'll also be a good wrinkle into our podcast as well look forward to those teams and what they'll need for the draft definitely and I just I want thanks for having me join obviously I'm good friends with you guys and I missed missed out last year with you two doing it and happy I can uh provide a little bit of insight. Absolutely, yeah. So it's exciting oh, that we boy. uh have Ken joining us uh this year and uh you know hopefully you guys stay locked to the podcast and uh you know listen on in each week, whether that's you know, talking about the college game, the pro game, the draft, obviously the uh senior bowls coming up and uh our our analysis moving forward. So um for Kenny and Andy, Matt Genetino, and we will see you guys next week. See you.